Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you this afternoon. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the Business Radio X Studio Partner Program, equipping franchisors to help franchisees dominate their local market. To learn more about serving your market and growing your business, go to mybrxstudio.com. Lee, this is going to be a fun segment. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast founder with Bio One Inc. and Best Option Restoration, Nick Anthony Zamison. Good morning, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Well, Nick Anthony, uh, before we get too far into things, can you tell us about each of these offerings, Bio One and Best Option Restoration? Sure. Bio One Inc. is the nation's most recognizable and largest crime scene and trauma scene cleaning franchise. We have uh, over a hundred locations throughout the United States, and we do everything on the bio one side that frankly nobody ever wants to talk about. We're not dinner table conversation. Crime and trauma and cleanup is not something for uh, for everybody, but for the right people, it's a it, it's a great fit. Now, best option restoration, my new company, that is the more traditional restoration company when it comes to water, fire, mold, content cleaning. So it, it dives into a, a, a vaster market uh, with a lot more uh, earning potential in, in the sense of uh, uh, everyday work. Bio One, um, they do very well, but they they certainly have a, uh, again, it's not an everyday thing where, where they're working with the police and FBI. It's, it's specifically on certain occasions. Unfortunately, usually bad occasions. Now, how do they work together? Are your buy one folks the uh, best option restoration folks? Or are they totally separate people? Totally separate franchises. Uh, they yeah they are they don't they don't uh, uh, they cross in the sense of when a bio one let's let's talk about a quick scene when a bio one uh, franchise gets called in let's say for a homicide a homicide is, uh, has happened and inside of a house they go they go in there and and remediate all the biomatter. And what happens is you, you, carpets get pulled up, sometimes walls get pulled out. Then a best option restoration guy will come in and relay carpet, dry things out if necessary, and uh, put walls and, and furniture back together. So the companies work together as a tag team to restore a property and make sure that the homeowner doesn't feel any more uh, anguish than they already have. Now, um so how how does it work from the customer standpoint? So uh, something terrible happens in somebody's house, and then they got crime scene stuff. Is that like does your insurance cover that? Like, or is this all out of pocket? How how does the person kind of deal with this financially? Great, great question. Ninety five percent of the time, insurance, homeowners insurance or car insurance, depending on where it's at, covers what the bio when people do. Um, it's it's very rare that a homeowner's policy doesn't. It's it's deep in the policy, usually on page fifty nine where no one looks, and it covers things as far as a massive tragedy or accident uh, in your standard homeowner's policy. So 
Um, we will take care of the insurance on behalf of the homeowner. They've been through enough on the bio one side. Uh, so we will actually call in the policy, uh, make sure the policy number is put into place, talk to the adjusters, explain the process. And we do everything we can to assist the homeowners to get back to normal and not have to deal with, you know, jumping through the hoops of, a, a, frankly, of an insurance company because sometimes insurance companies love to make us jump through hoops. But uh, we will handle a lot of that for the homeowners. But what about the best option restoration? There's one thing to remove all the stuff and to make it, you know, functional. But then it's the other is to restore it back to kind of the way it was. Right. And yes, that part that it's the rebuild, if you will, is what it's called, uh, is normally, again, covered by the homeowner insurance policy. Um, So, again, the homeowners out of pocket, uh, very little. Now, I'll say this. The homeowner is responsible for a deductible, not unlike a car accident where somebody hits you and your car will get fixed. You're still going to have to pay a deductible. The homeowner will have to pay a deductible to somebody, um, whether it's uh, the bio one people or the board people. And that's always after the fact. There's never any payment at the time of service. It's just not the appropriate time in our in, in, in our belief to, to ask. Um, so they'll probably get build their their insurance uh deductible probably they'll, they'll be billed maybe 30 to 45 days after the incident has occurred and, and everything's been rectified now if there's no bio one in a market who is doing this kind of work you know there's a lot of what i call mom and pops out there mom and pop shops um whether they should be doing the work or not it's not really the question uh, i will say uh, there are companies in usually every market to do this. Again, a lot of people don't know about the bio industry because again, it's not, it's not the dinner table conversation. It's not something that you want to talk about, but I can say for the, uh, you know, bio ones in, in, in almost all 50 states at this point. So most of the police agencies and sheriff's departments and certainly FBI know who we are. And that's why uh, they call us. I can, Best example I can give you in the late in the latest recent event uh, where it was mass uh, mass strategy the the Mandalay Bay shooting in, in Las Vegas a couple of years back the FBI called us directly at our corporate headquarters and said how many franchises do you have in this location and I said we have three out there and so we've dispatched and by one took care of the the Mandalay Bay uh, the Mandalay Bay mass mass shootings so anything mass strategy in in, in the sense of uh, a bio situation, the FBI or whoever usually on scene will call us directly and we'll dispatch crews. Now, how um, has like the media in terms of Hollywood media impacted this, like with shows like CSI or um, the movie Sunshine Cleaning? Like how has that impacted your business? Well, I'll say that the uh, the media has brought awareness. So I guess that's a good thing. The downside to that is you do have movies like the Sunshine Cleaning Company made, um, where it's more of a parody of what's done. It was made. Uh, there were some funny moments in the movie. I certainly saw it. I, I, I did find it humorous. Um, there were, but it, it, there, it's far from the reality of what happens on a on a bio scene. <laughs> um, every every mistake that can possibly be made was certainly made in that movie. And anybody in the industry kind of chuckles and say, well, that's, uh, it's certainly, it's certainly one way of doing it or one way of getting yourself in trouble. Um, so 
So while it's brought awareness that, hey, companies like ours exist, because I can tell you we've been a very, very clandestine industry. We've been very quiet for about 20 years. Um, Hollywood certainly has said, hey, there are companies that do this. It is, you know, people people do like to, to talk about it now a little bit more than used to. It's, it's more of a, it, it is more of a, um, a, a novelty to them that, wow, how do you get into this? So when a movie comes out or a mass, you know, unfortunately a mass shooting happens, which happens all too often lately, that there we get a lot of interest and a lot of people saying they want to join our franchise as employees or, or, or work for our franchises, um, which, uh, again, we don't really want to hire somebody that's just calling up saying, hey, I really want to do this. Uh, we're looking for obviously business owners to own franchises to show people how to do this correctly. And what is the kind of the, I guess, psychographic demographic makeup of a franchisee, a potential franchisee? Is it, are they kind of, I have no idea what their background would be in order to be a good fit for you. Yeah. You know, uh, we have franchises literally from all, I mean, we have between the two companies, 130 plus franchises and they are all over the board. The majority of them are at bio one, because obviously that company has been around for 10 years. Boar has been around for three. Um, but Bio One has franchises. Oh gosh, I mean, the uh, uh, probably twenty percent of our franchises make up of law, former law enforcement or fire, you know, firemen, fire professionals. The other, the other, probably eighty percent were were corporate people that were downsized that basically said, "I never want to be downsized again. I don't want the rug to be pulled out from under me. I need to be able to feed my family. So I want to build a unique business that." Not everybody does, uh, but has great margins. And, and and on top of it, I think the biggest common denominator that we find at Bio One and Bohr for that instance, I always say Bohr for best option restoration, but uh, the common denominator is wanting to help people. Because when when a Bio One or a Bohr person gets the call, normally a Bio One, it's, it's not the call of, hey, everything's great. It's the call of, oh, no, I'm having the worst day of my life. Somebody help me. And so we're looking for empathy, we're looking for uh, strong ethics, and we're looking for people that really want to run a successful business and, and, and be embedded in their community. Now, does the franchisee have to be the one doing the cleaning, or is this something that they are doing the you know people part, and then they hire people that do the cleaning part? They don't have to do the cleaning, that's for certain. Um, most of our franchises, and we actually have a training class going on right now in the other room, most of our new franchisees, our new owners, start on scene themselves. Uh, they are not required to, but most most of them do. So they, when they are training their folks in their hometown, wherever they're going back to, uh, they can they can talk to them about what they see, talk to them about what they're going to encounter on scene with the surviving victims or the families. Um, so while this can be run passively. Most of our owners for about the first year are actually doing the work side by side with other technicians. And then they will, we like to, we call it getting out of the suit. We're going to make them, we're going to press them into being really real entrepreneurs, real business owners and getting away from the business and getting out there and marketing the business and growing it, not just working inside it. Now, when you started this, um, can you talk about the evolution of the training? Like when you were, I would imagine it started by you or somebody, you know, doing the work. And then at some point you're like, we can teach other people how to do this and maybe franchise it. How did that um, kind of progress from 
being the person who knows everything to now transferring that knowledge to people who aren't familiar with this really at all. Sure. Yeah. When I, when I, and, and I developed the company, I started it. When I first got into the business, the training I received was from a, a small town restoration firm that was saying that they did, they did uh, bioremediation or crime scene cleanup. So I called the man and asked him, could I come work for you? He was on the other side of the country. So it was really no conflict of interest there. I said, let me come work you, work for you for two or three weeks. If you'll show me how to do this, the training turned out to be the equivalent of, you see that, you see that pile of blood, don't stick your finger in it, stick your eye, you know, stick in your eye. So the training was about as remedial as you get. And, and so all my training, everything that I developed was on the scene and I've hired, um, uh, microbiologists to teach me and, and to teach franchises, um, how to, you know, how to, what chemicals do what and how things kill and, and dwell times. And so throughout the last process of the last 10 years, um, well, I, I guess since we've been franchising, um, we've developed a training platform that we've compressed into a six day platform, which doesn't seem like a lot, but these guys are here 12 to 14 hours a day. And we're cramming information and knowledge about not only marketing sales and how to run a business, but actually how to stay safe, OSHA regulations and compliance um, and general, uh, you know, general uh, what I, I, I call it the touchy feely during the training class. But it's we have psychologists, psychologists come in and, and walk them through the grief process, what they can expect. Um, uh, what they're going to feel after a scene or what could happen to them, what their employees could do. So the, the training has evolved from don't stick your finger in blood and poke yourself in the eye to a full and full encompassing, basically 65 hour a week, very long week, if you will, of, um, how the, not only the human body and brain responds to tragedy, but how to help somebody through a situation and actually clean a scene uh, without getting yourself or anyone else hurt. And then on top of that, you have to teach them how to get business, which is a, right. a different well, side of their brain altogether. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's where I come in. I come in, I always handle the sales and marketing side. I spend about two and a half days where that's all I talk about is the psychology of the sale, how to explain the businesses to other people, um, how to, you know, it, it's one thing most people in life, try to stay away from the police as much as they can. <laughs> um, you know, we, I'm telling them just the opposite. Hey guys, you need to walk into a police station and explain to them the value and the service that we're going to provide the community. And we need to team up with them. And that's not always a, that's not always an easy pitch to give to somebody or, or tell someone to do when they've, when we've done everything in our lives to stay away from police. So, um, you know, it's a it's a paradigm shift for the mind to to bend around doing something that you've always been trained to stay away from. And uh, I will say, thankfully, I've been pretty darn successful in the last 10 years teaching it. And uh, what has been the most rewarding part? I mean, I know you're going on to scenes that are terrible for the people that have survived that. And there must be some kind of reward in there that you really are truly helping and making an impact and making their life better you know, from that point forward. But then what about from the business standpoint about, you know, like you said, it's over a hundred, you know, families that you're impacting by letting them in on this and, and allowing them to be part of your kind of 
bio one uh, a best option restoration family the best i'll say on scene i mean the i tell people in training class that the money's great and you can do very well i mean very few people can charge um you know, or will make you know ten thousand dollars over a course of three or four hours so the money's very nice and, and that's and that's great we all need it we all need the money we, we we certainly have to provide for our families and whatnot but the the bigger benefit you get out of it is spiritual if you will and i'm not talking on a godly sense i mean just the fact of you doing something for somebody else um that wish they they should never have seen or or never should see the 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 after effects of a homicide or a suicide or a decomposed loved one um the fact that we can go out and when we're finished with this traumatic scene, the families look at you and say, we don't know what we would have done without you. And they give you hugs and the cards that we get sent to corporate saying how fabulous our franchises are. And, you know, without sounding uh, too touchy feely about it, and I don't want to say bio one is changing the world, but I'll tell you this, we're doing everything we can to make it a better place. If you're just now joining us, you're listening to Franchise Marketing Radio. Our guest today is Nick Anthony Zamison. He's the founder of Bio One Inc. and Best Option Restoration. Nick Anthony Stone here. Uh, in terms of getting the word out about the franchise opportunity with either Bio One and or Best Option Restoration, what are you finding is the best approach method vehicles to do that effectively and consistently? I think I think having a strong media plan put together for us on the bio one side, I can tell you um, to get the word out there, we we rely heavily on local media and marketing um, also. Uh, and that could be TV, radio, print ads. But I, I think what people underestimate is um, lately has been the uh, the need for a strong website, home pages, landing pages. Um, you know, ironically enough, as I was listening to the intro, uh, you, one of the sponsors of the show, SEO Samba, is actually a company that we use on both sides of the company. I can tell you they're a, they're a pretty fine company and they, they, they do what you ask them to do. So um, I want to make sure that, that it's really understood that without a strong uh, media presence, and whether that be print or TV, radio, or and a strong internet presence, it's going to be really tough. Now, what advice would you give that young franchisor that maybe doesn't have the uh, finances to pull off a strong media um, package to help them get the word out? Is there things they can be doing uh, early on to get it going? Sure, sure. I would say this: if you start a business undercapitalized and you don't, you haven't budgeted for uh, for for to get the word out, you're already in trouble. But let's just say you're already in trouble and you're trying to figure out what to do. My answer is this: people don't like them very often, but they are a necessary evil, is what we call them in the industry, and that's franchise consultants and franchise brokers. Um, they are they will take a large piece of the pie when somebody comes aboard. Uh, when a new franchisee comes aboard and they bring them aboard. But if you don't have a strong budget and you're already in this and you didn't, let's say, uh, uh, capitalize correctly for uh, a media push, then a consultant or a franchise broker will and can bring people to the table um, for you. Uh, again, 
you're going to pay for it in the back end because again they take a large percentage when when they when the franchise sells but they will bring people into the system and that will allow you to to essentially grow your franchise it's expensive again on the back end but they will allow you to grow the franchise without having that you know or should say while you're trying to while you're trying to piece together the media budget now, what about that person who has a business that's thriving in a local market and is saying, you know what, I think I'm going to franchise this. At what level of a business do you think it should be before they attempt it? You know, it's, a, it's an interesting question because we've seen businesses all over the board from guys that just, you know, do maybe $150,000 to guys that do $15 million uh, for, you know, decide when they're going to franchise. I think it's, less about a revenue size to me and more about when you have a model that you can easily explain train and aren't scared to take that leap to show someone your secrets because what franchising is is zero secrets you're showing them the secret sauce there a franchisee is paying you to show them the secret sauce of success and Success, while, while, I, while I've said before and I still agree, success builds on success and, and you, need, you need to make sure that your company is thriving. Um, when you franchise, it's a personal thing. It's almost like when you sell, it's a very personal thing. When you think you've done everything you can uh, to grow your business and you want to help other people, I, I would say there's no magic answer to when you, can, you, know, when you should franchise. I, I, I will say... When you decide to, uh, make sure you're the biggest thing that takes down a franchise faster than anything is one, obviously, undercapitalized. The second thing for me is very simple. People tend to franchise and do it, uh, do it the quick route. They, they buy some franchising package on the internet that says we're going to franchise your company and, and usually you're going to get what you pay for. If you have, if your legal docs aren't put together, your franchise disclosure documents aren't correct. Your registrations and states aren't correct. Uh, those fines from the FCC can come down pretty heavy. So make sure your legal docs are in order before you do anything. Now, you remember when you first said, okay, I'm going to franchise, and then you convinced that first person to do this. What did it feel in terms of you having a sense of responsibility on, you know, now fulfilling on the promise that you made them? You know, to me, it was like having my first child. It was. Uh, hey, this sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and then someone actually hands you money and trusts that you know exactly what you're doing to propel them to success and, and help them to the next level of life financially. And like that first night with the baby, you lay in bed awake at night staring at the ceiling saying, what did I do? <laughs> and I can tell you, um, it gets better, but there should be a sense of uh, grave responsibility that somebody's entrusted uh, entrusted their money and their livelihood with you to help them become successful. The one thing that I can tell you kept me up at night was not my system or not could I teach this was the one thing that kept me up at night was will they really listen because I'm going to ask them to do some really unorthodox things um, like walk into a police station and say this <laughs> and call the FBI and say this. And, and uh, so it was more about, will they follow the system less about, can I teach it? And, and that's, that's what kept me up at night. 
And does that go back to the uh, initial beginning of the relationship where you have to choose wisely in terms of choosing the right franchisee and they have to choose rise, wisely in terms of this is the right fit? Thousand percent correct. That's right. If, you know, there are franchisors out there, especially in the beginning, that will take anybody with a heartbeat in cash just because they they need to sell a franchise. They've invested a lot of money. They've, they've gone the right route. They put the legal docs together. they are hundreds of thousands of dollars into this. They're looking for a recovery and they want franchises because that's how they'll make money as well. We tend to jump the gun on who exactly we should bring aboard and we we compromise who we think we should bring aboard for just getting people aboard. I can tell you short term it makes sense, um, at least you think it makes sense, and then you realize you may have gotten into a relationship with a franchisee that you may have you may not have uh you know ten years into the process. And if you're not real diligent and sticking to your my ideal franchise is this, it could greatly cost you in the end. And if somebody wanted to learn more about Bio One and or Best Option Restoration, uh, what are the coordinates? Oh, I'm just at bioneinc.com, and we have all the information there. And as far as Best Option Restoration, it's just borestoration.com. Uh, two very simple websites uh, that will walk you through everything and at any time, they can always talk to us directly. Well, Nick Anthony, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you very much, guys. All right, this is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio. 